Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Uh, doing a three-part series, um, and I am very, very excited to bring this, uh, this part to you. But before we do that, why don't we go before the Lord in some prayer? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for your goodness and the grace that you have towards us in this moment. I thank you for kindness. And Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear the word, God. I pray that it would penetrate our hearts and that it would do something real inside of us. I thank you for your spirit being here. And I thank you for the peace of God, which passes all understanding. We bless you with today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just a recap. Last week, we uh, examined a few very important things that regard our relationship with God and the principles um, that are described in his word. We discovered that there are three aspects to the word of God that are more important than every other aspect. We discovered that these three will last forever. When prophecy and tongues fade away, when miracles cease, when this world and all that it has to offer is rolled up like a scroll, there is still three things by which we will live our lives in heaven. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, that three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Last week, we looked closely at hope. Once again, I went a little bit out of order, um, but that gets corrected. Tonight, um, we saw that worldly hope is completely different than biblical hope. And that the way that the world uses hope is to express desire, but it doesn't actually come with any kind of real certainty that what you desire is going to happen in your life. And the way that the Bible uses hope is actually in opposition to this way of thinking about hope. Biblical hope, we looked at last week, is actively expecting to see the promises of God that we don't yet see with trust and endurance and a confidence that comes from God's unchanging nature. Remember, we have hope because of God's unchanging nature in that his promises are given to us from the word of God. And to have this hope, we need to examine the scriptures. We have to find the promises that are found in the word uh, given to us by God, and we need to hold them close to ourselves. We literally need to walk uh, with them close by our side. We need to walk with them continually before us. We do this, uh, we do this biblical hope. Um, when we do this, I should say, biblical hope is operating inside of our lives. And it's this hope that Paul describes when he says in Romans 5.5, 5, that hope does not put to shame. And so with this understanding of hope firmly planted inside of us, inside of our hearts, I'd like to move forward to the next principle found in our list, which is faith. And so faith, not surprisingly, um, is found quite a lot inside of the Bible. The Bible has quite a bit to mention when it talks about the concept of the idea of faith. And unfortunately, with this Bible study, we're not going to have enough time to get through all of what the Bible has to say about this topic. Um, but we will, um, I will cover a nice foundational, ground-level um, uh, way to understand faith. And then hopefully we can build on top of that. And as it happens... Faith is deeply, deeply connected to hope. 
and our, our idea of biblical hope that we looked at last week. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things that are not seen. Let's break this down. So what the, uh, what the writers of Hebrew is saying is that the essence of hope, the very thing that hope is made up of, is faith. The, the word essence in the, in the Greek is a, world, uh, is a word, and don't quote me on this, I can't guarantee this is how they pronounced it in Greek, um, but it's hupotasis, hupotasis, or something like that, um, which literally means a setting under, uh, 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 concretely the essence, or more abstractly, the assurance. Um, it's the confidence, con- uh, confidence, confident person, and substance. And so substance in this usage is literally meaning foundation. It's the confidence. It's the essence of the place on which we place our hope. Hebrews 11 is saying that our hope is built on the foundation of faith, that the thing hoped is built upon, and even the very essence of hope, is faith. That to have hope grow in our lives, we need to make sure that we have a foundation of faith that is solid. The second half of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is saying that faith is the evidence of things that we do not yet see. The Greek word for evidence in this verse is the same word that we use for proof or conviction. Faith, then, is the proof that we have of things that we do not yet see. It is the conviction that we live by that tells us um, that what, even though we do not have something yet, God is faithful to bring it about in our lives. He's faithful to his promise to bring it to us. Amen. And to consider this, consider Abraham, right? We, we know the story of Abraham. You guys have probably heard it tons and tons of times. Um, but we're going to go over it again. So Abraham was given an impossible promise, a promise from God that was not um, in earthly way, in any earthly way possible um, to happen. Now, God spoke to him when he was in his old age and told him that his name would be changed from Abram, which means father, to Abraham, meaning father of many nations, and then gave him the very promise to which his name meant, and that he would become the father of many nations. God's saying that uh, he would have more children than the amount of stars in the sky and the sand that's on the sea. And even, you know, even if Abraham was a young guy and Sarah, you know, if she was fertile, this is still a massive and seemingly impossible promise. You know, to have as many children as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore is mind-blowing of a promise, even if Abraham was young and Sarah was fertile, you know? Um, but as it happens, Abraham was old, and Sarah was physically unable to have kids. Yet God promised Abraham, and so he, being Abraham, made a decision to use faith in response to what God has promised, in spite of the fact that he did not know how God was going to fulfill that promise in his lifetime. And we all know the story, but for a refresher, let's look at what Hebrews chapter 11 says. If you guys don't know, Hebrews 11 is the chapter all about faith. It talks about the superheroes of faith, you know, that by their, you know, faith they did great exploits. Well, this is just a a small portion of that chapter, I encourage you after this, 
Go and read Hebrews chapter 11 for yourself. It encourages us on how fundamental faith is in our lives. But it says this. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when, he was past, uh, when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. That's something we need to t- grab a hold of. Sarah judged God as faithful to what he has promised. There's promises God has given us, and we need to have that same attitude as judging God as faithful to what he has promised. Therefore, from one man, and him good as dead, or him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand by which, uh, which is by the sea shore. And so when Abraham received his son through Sarah, was his faith in the promises of God finished in that moment? No. Even after this miracle happened to Abraham, it seemed that tragedy befell him. Tragedy struck his family even after he received the promise. God asked him to do something impossible. God asked him to sacrifice his son, the one that God had given him, the one through whom the promise was going to be fulfilled. God asked him to sacrifice Isaac. Let's look at what Abraham says and the way that he gives a response um, to this difficult moment. It says also in chapter 11 of Hebrews, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham did not consider the finality of death to be an obstacle to God. Um, He was so convinced of the goodness and the faithfulness of God that even if he didn't know how God would bring his promises to come to pass, um, even if Isaac was dead, he believed God anyway. Obviously, we know that Abraham didn't sacrifice his son and that God did provide a ram for sacrifice. And just a small hint, this story is actually a picture of Jesus and how the father sacrificed his son um, so the whole story of Abraham is, is a picture of what the father actually did. Um, but to Abraham in this moment, he decided to use faith regardless of what he saw in the physical. That's why it's important to keep faith in spite of what we see. And how many times do we um, receive a promise from God and then um, it, it, the, the faith that we have lasts until we experience some kind of hardship or difficulty that's as a result of our promise and our situation begins to look absolutely impossible. How many times have God given us a promise that's found in the word of God and it immediately gets tested? It immediately, in fact, um, similarly, Jesus, when he's teaching about the, the parable of the seed and the different types of field, One of them is the very first one, which the seed or the word of God falls upon a footpath. And and what does the Bible say? It says that that a crow or, or a bird comes down and it takes it up before the seed had even a chance to be planted. And that this is a symbol of what the devil does to come in and to steal the promises, to steal the word that God has given us so that it wouldn't bear any kind of real fruit in our lives. 
And so very much when we receive a promise from God, when we receive something from God, the enemy comes in and tries to rip us off. He tries to steal the promise that God had given us in his word. And if he steals it before it even takes root, then he won't have to worry about the good fruit of God being faithful and keeping his promises later on. And so because of hardship, we have temptation that enters into our lives for us to turn away from the very thing that God has promised us. And many times, if we don't do anything to push back against this, then doubt will creep in. And then we'll even begin to doubt, you know, and this doubt will begin to influence our thinking. But uh, there is a massive uh, uh, blessing that is waiting uh, for us, you know, um, in the middle of when we're in an impossible situation. There is a blessing that's on the other side of our faith. There's a blessing, uh, uh, I'm going to show you what it says in scripture in a second, but there is something tangible that we receive if we'll make it to the other side of this place of doubt, frustration, confusion. confusion. This is what it says in James chapter 2, verse 21 and 23, and also pause, just so you know, there's going to be a lot of scripture tonight. Um, I do that with intention because... My opinions don't matter for anything. The word of God is the only thing that matters. And so I'm trying to make all my points from the word of God because if I tell you something's true, well, I'm just a guy. But if the Bible tells you something's true, then we can build our life based on that. Exactly. So James chapter 2, it says this. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith, and his actions worked together. His actions uh, made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scripture said, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as as righteous because of his faith. And he was even called the friend of God. On the other side of our impossible situation, on the other side of this season of doubt, and, and on the other side of the promise, is a friendship with God. If we'll use our faith, regardless of what we see, that's what we look forward to. The, the promise is nice. The blessing is nice. The, the fact that God came through in our lives is really nice. But we gain something even better, and that's a friendship with God. We gain access to him in a way that we couldn't have unless we exercise faith. And so... We're going to move on to my second main point, which is to identify how important faith actually is in our walk. I already, you know, kind of talked about how it's one of the most important things, but um, it's kind of crucial that we recognize just how important faith is. And so inside of this, we learn something incredible out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says this, And it is impossible... Say it again. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek after him. By a show of hands, how many of you guys want to live a life that pleases God? How many of you guys want to please God with your life, right? Uh, How many of us want to hear the words of Jesus, well done, my good and faithful servant? We want that. We desire that. That's a good thing for us to want. Well, the only way that we'll accomplish that, 
The only way we can have Jesus say those words, the only way we can have him uh, um, pleased by our life is through faith, is by living a life that is dominated by faith. And apart from faith, we cannot live a life that pleases God. If we don't live a life of faith, then what we're doing naturally is not pleasing towards God. Not saying that we're off in some kind of wild sin, but simply we're not doing the thing that God has instructed us to do, which is to live by faith. And so, in the absence of faith, our lives, they might look polished, but we're no better than non-believers. And so, we have to allow faith to be um, the, the foundation on which we build our lives and uh, it, it has to be a cornerstone in our life. And so, first and foremost, faith is important because it's the very thing that pleases God. It's the only thing revealed to us in Scripture that makes God happy when we use faith. And so, the second thing, the second reason on why faith is so important, if you needed more than just that one, salvation is by grace through faith. Yes. And so, I don't think... To anybody here, it's going to be any kind of news or special revelation. Um, but faith is vital to our lives because Jesus has designed our lives in him to be an act, a continual act of faith. Just like Abraham, it's through the, our faith in Jesus' sacrifice that we are made righteous before God. Remember, I just quoted, I think it was James chapter 2, that it was because of uh, Abraham's faith that it was accounted to him as righteousness. Well, it's the same thing for us when we have faith in Jesus and his sacrifice. We're no longer looked at as the old man, but the, the scripture says that we are given his righteousness. We are imbued, or, or the very righteousness of God is given to us through faith. And so it's by faith that our sins are forgiven. It, it's by faith, it's through faith that we have the right to stand in the very presence of God boldly without any kind of worry about what God might say. And it, it's, this is demonstrated quite a lot in Scripture. But I'm going to use two verses, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10, and Galatians 2, uh, verses 16, to really drive this home about our salvation being through grace by faith. So Ephesians says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. And then in Galatians, it says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. I'm, I'm hitting this home because even though we know, like, 
hopefully we all know that it's by grace or it's by grace through faith that we're saved but we we sometimes say that and we gloss over it's so quick you know god saved us it's by grace through faith but no it's it's by the grace of god that we're saved and the very thing that god uses to bring about that grace in our lives is our faith and so it's necessary absolutely necessary that we make a life of faith our our I want to say bread and butter. It, we, we need to make our whole life about faith. The third reason, if you didn't need, you know, how to please God and, and our whole salvation, there is a third reason. Faith is the very thing, uh, uh, it's the very way that we receive from God. We all know, you know, that prayer is uh, the way by which we petition the Lord to move in our lives it is through um, the interaction of prayer that we come before God and uh, God then in turn pours out his blessing inside of our life. Well, if prayer, let's, let's imagine it for a second. If prayer is a car, if prayer is a vehicle and you're trying to get to a destination of blessing, if prayer is the car and you're trying to get to blessing, then faith is the gasoline that causes that car to move. It says this in Matthew 21, verse 22. It says, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive just because God loves you and he's going to do it anyway. No, you will receive if you have faith. James 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And so when we come before God in prayer, when we go before him and we make our requests uh, unto him, when we plead, not plead, I mean, we don't necessarily beg God, but when we come to him and we ask him to do a miracle in our lives, to bless us, to, to heal us, to provide for us financially, to give us a word of knowledge or to speak truth into our lives. When we ask him to show up in our lives, it says that faith is the very thing that enables uh, the move of God to happen. Faith is a necessary part to receiving our answer in prayer. We can't just assume that God's going to do all these nice things for us simply because he loves us. God loves everyone, and there's still terrible things that happen to plenty of people. But God moves in our lives because we are a ch uh, children of faith, because we are a people of faith who believe the very words of God and live by them. It's important that we come to this place where we, when we come before God and we ask him for things, we do it from a place of faith, not like it's saying in James chapter 1, not in a place of doubt where we you know, I don't know if God is going to answer my prayer. I don't know if he's going to be good in this situation. I don't know if he's going to provide in this time. I'm asking, but, you know, is God actually? We have to not allow room for doubt in our lives because it undermines the very thing that brings the blessing into our life. And so my third main point, there is a dual nature to faith. The problem is that many uh, believe that faith boils all the way down to just belief. You know, I believe in God, and so that's faith. But belief is only half of the story. Belief is the start of faith. Faith starts at believing, but faith is more than belief. Faith is belief in action. 
And so the mantra or the, or the saying of faith to me is, I believe, therefore I act. For example, um, I believe that this chair is going to sit me, uh, when I sit down, it's going to hold me up. I have such confidence that it's going to do that. But I don't have faith. Not until I actually go and sit down. That's the action of faith. It's taking a belief that I have and actually making something about it, doing something about it. We, We exercise this all the time. How many of you guys have faith that when you go home today and you flick on a light switch, the lights are going to turn on? Like, we understand faith. But we need to take that from the worldly, just that confidence, knowing that something is going to happen. We need to take it from the practical and apply it to the things that are not yet seen in our lives. We need to take this aspect and actually use it inside of our lives on the things that cost us something. Uh, on the places of our lives that actually have consequence. Because God is desiring to move. God wants to show you how near he is, how close his presence is, and how able he is to pour out miracles. But faith is a necessary part of that. Faith is a necessary key to seeing the move of God in our lives. And so our faith, if it's genuine, produces actions inside of our lives. We only have to look at James um, chapter 2 to really see how this plays out. Uh, So James chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, it says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? Listen to this as if James is speaking it to you. "What What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, you know, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give anything to that person. You don't give them any clothing or food. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Someone might argue, you know, some people have faith and other people, you know, they have good deeds. But I say to you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, I don't want you to feel like this is uh, condemning you or, or saying, you know what, if, if you didn't help out that person when you feel like the urge, you know, to, to go give them five bucks. You know, I don't want you to feel like, um, you're now this terrible person that has like no faith. That's, that's not what James is trying to say. But he's trying to illuminate the fact that we can say we believe something all day long, but until we actually allow it to work in our lives, then it's just mere talk. James is saying, look, if you believe what you believe about the Bible, then you should do something about that. There's commandment after commandment from Jesus about how we should live our lives. And so if we say we have faith and we believe in Jesus and his word, well, then that means something. And it should look like something in our lives. And so my faith in the word of God tells me to love the hurting and the broken. And therefore, I act in that way, you know, by faith. My belief in God tells me to be kind to people who are evil towards me. And so by faith, that's what I do. The Bible demands that I make God my highest priority. And so by faith, I listen and I put nothing else above him. 
If we come to this place where we have belief, but that belief does not control our lives, we do not have faith. And as a result, we become lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm going to transition for just a couple minutes, and it's going to seem a little bit harsh. I don't mean it to be harsh. If anything, I hope if you're living in this way, it's convicting. Because conviction is from the Holy Spirit, and it's a good thing. But also, I'm talking from the Word of God, and uh, God uses the Word um, to correct us, to rebuke us. We are not above the Word. Like, we submit ourselves to what the Word of God says. We don't submit the Word of God to the way that we live our lives. We, we change the way that we believe, the way that we talk, the way, the way that we act based on what the word says. And so, once again, this is not a con- condemnation or even an accusation. This is an observation. And so, faith is belief in action, and if we have belief but no action, we do not have faith. And this is a dangerous place to be in. Because like I mentioned before, we do not, if we do not operate from a position of faith, we're not living the lives that God is pleased with. Let's see in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, what Paul says about this idea. Uh, he says this, he says, Examine yourself. Not examine your neighbor, not examine the person sitting next to you in your seat. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. Now, this should grip our hearts. Paul, what he's doing in this uh, uh, specific verse is he's correcting a church that unfortunately had rampant sin running along its members. You know, if you remember 1 Corinthians 13, I didn't put it in my notes, but 1 Corinthians 13, Paul takes some time saying, look, there's, a, there's some people in your church, like one of them is, is even sleeping with like his stepmother, and you guys are like boasting in that. And, and Paul is saying, you guys should be like uh, ripping your, your you know, garment and, and falling on your face because of what's happened, what you've allowed inside of the lives of the believers. And so this is what he's uh, addressing. In fact, it's gotten so bad in the Corinthian church that just two verses before it says that uh, uh, the, the church was even starting to wonder. They were starting to question whether Paul actually did hear from God or not. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, um, it, and I think a little bit later, like he says that we've passed the, ta- uh, the test of apostolic faith. Or, or apostolic leadership in your lives. And so he's saying, look, you've got to make sure that you have faith in your life. You've got to examine yourself. You've got to test yourselves. And if, uh, if we don't have faith operating inside of our lives, if we don't pass the test of faith, then we need to do something about it. We can't wallow in our defeat. We need to be proactive in walking in faith once again. And so my fourth main point um, is how do we have faith? I've talked a lot about how important it is, you know, and how, how um, we just are supposed to live our lives uh, with faith. I, I've talked about examining ourselves, but if we don't, if we fail that test, how do we have faith? Or like some people think, how do we grow in our faith? And don't worry, I'll cover that in a second. Um, but first of all, we need to consider the source of our faith. In the first place, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. 
Don't think of yourselves as better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. So first we see that God gives us faith. But how does God give us this measure of faith? Romans 10 verse 17. So faith comes by hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. So God gives us this faith when we hear about the good news of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, and the resurrection that he now has, and and ultimately the life that we can all have through him. And then this is even more evident in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. Paul writing, he says, For I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So we know that God gives us faith, that our faith comes through hearing the good news about Jesus, and this good news on which we place our faith, or, or we have our faith, I should say, is confirmed to us by the very power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I do want to challenge that misconception, uh, a common misconception, in fact, I just said it, um, about how we have a need in our lives to grow our faith. In fact, uh, the disciples thought they needed this too. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, it says, The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. God, I need more faith. Grow my faith. Make my faith bigger. Um, He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it will obey you. He is not saying that if you just have this amount of faith, then this will happen. You know, as if, you know, if you have a little bit less, you can't. You know, he's saying, have faith. If you have faith at all, and you believe that this is going to happen, then it will happen for you. And so, faith is not something you need more of or less of. It's something you need. It's not of having a more or less. In fact, I see faith not being a sliding scale, but being a light switch, being on or off, being you know yes or no, or being cold or hot. Now, that's not to say that you know when I have faith, you know, in my life for God's financial provision. That doesn't mean I have super overarching faith that covers every area of my life. I believe the misconception is coming from a place where, you know, God, give me faith in this other area of my life. It's, it's not that I need more faith in my life. It's the, that I need to exercise faith, let's say, for, you know, God's control over my destiny or my future. And so, we, we certainly have different areas in our lives that we need to use faith, you know, um, but it's not that I need more faith. It's that I need to use faith in the situation that I'm in. Um, and once again, thanks. God gives us this faith. You have this faith on the inside. You have it. And so it, it, we just need to exercise it in our lives. And so the last thing that I wanted to um, really cover on is um, the fact that we can actually lose our faith if we're not careful. And so it's, it's our job to examine our lives and uh, find areas where faith is not active and submit those areas to God. That was one line before. I wanted to say it because it's important. But um, to go forward, we have to be careful. 
Because the enemy is constantly trying to do one thing in everyone's life, and that's cause believers to lose their faith in Jesus. Look at what Paul says at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. By him saying that he's kept the faith, he means, or, or we can extrapolate, I mean, is that there was a chance for Paul or others or us to lose the faith. We see it, unfortunately, a lot in society that, you know, because of what happens to somebody, um, they ultimately turn away from God and their faith in God is no longer placed. And it's a tragedy. But we need to be careful and we need to be on our guard because our faith is one of the most important aspects to our lives. We have to guard it. We can't allow the devil to come in with doubt to undermine the very thing that's holding our salvation together. We need to be proactive about using faith in our lives. And so just a couple final thoughts about faith. Like I said, it's impossible um, to cover all of the aspects of faith. In fact, um, I, my desire tonight was to give you the scriptures and for you to mine them out yourselves um, halfway because, you know, you have to mine out the scriptures for yourselves. You can't rely on a preacher, a pastor, or anybody else to do your diligent work for you. Um, but with that being said, I wanted to show you what the scripture says so that you can dive in, so that you have a place to start in discovering how faith can affect your life. With that being said, um, I do have some final thoughts. These are um, just some aspects of faith that didn't really fit into where my message was, but I think they're just as important um, and definitely take some time to you know, understand what these are saying to you later on, whether tonight, tomorrow, or some other time. So first uh, is that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 tells us to walk by faith. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says that everything is possible for the person who believes. And that literally it says, Jesus said to him, if you, can't, uh, if you can, uh, all things are possible for the one who believes. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, in fact, the verse says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, by which or with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, like I said, this is not an exhaustive list of everything that the Bible covers in faith. There um, needs to be a lot more research done to really cover it. But my hope is that this challenges us to examine our lives, to, to see if there's areas of our lives where we are not operating in faith, where we've allowed doubt to creep in and to control us. And the way that we know that doubt's in there is because when we go to act, it's not acting you know, in accord with our belief in who God is. You know, if, um, let's say we have a bill that comes due and we don't have enough money in the bank account, you know, we pray, God, will you take care of this? And then we work as hard as we can to try to figure out how we can take care of it. That's not faith. That's you making it work for yourselves. Um, with that being said, God does want us to be prudent. Like if he gives you an opportunity, you pray, God, can I have 50 bucks? And then somebody calls and say, hey, will you work for 50 bucks? Like it's probably God answering that. But the, the point is that we don't ask God for something and then try to manipulate a situation in which it comes to pass in our lives. That's not faith. And so we need to examine our lives. And so you do have homework. Hopefully you guys all did your homework last week. 
You guys remember what that was? Okay, that's okay. <laughs> the homework last week was to look at your life, find places that you could be using hope in your life, and then to start using it. Well, homework tonight is pretty much the exact same, but with faith. Um, what we need to do is we need to examine our lives. We need to find an area right now that we could be using faith. And then um, I, I would encourage you, start tonight. Genuinely, when you go home, get out a journal, spend time with God, go into your prayer closet, put on worship music, whatever it is that you do to get close with God, and spend time asking God, where can I trust you? Where, what part of my life can I give over to you? And then do it. Find a promise that God has in his word and put your belief to action and walk in faith. Amen? Amen. Cool. Let me pray for you. We'll get you out of here. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I bless you in Jesus' name. I thank you for your spirit that guided us and lead us tonight. Um, I pray that this message would sink deep inside of our hearts, that it would bear good fruit, that we would be encouraged to take steps of faith more, and we would find areas where we can give um, our faith over to you. And so I thank you for your goodness. I pray blessing over each and every one of us. And I just, um, I just thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, get on out of here. Next week, talking about love, the most important out of all three. I'm excited. I'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.